Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Last week we heard about a man that very little is really known about, uh, Malchus, but we know about him mainly because of the man that we focus on tonight, and that is Simon Peter, right? That when you think about Peter, you think about a lot of things, probably. Malchus, not so much, but he was last week, right? This week with Peter, you think of a lot of things with Peter. A lot of good, a lot of bad, and you have to ask yourself, which is worse or which is better, right? Sometimes when you see a person's life laid out on display like St. Peter, you have some luxuries afforded to you on this side of uh, his life being able to look back and see what he did right and say, boy, Peter, and be able to see what he did wrong and say, what a shame, I would never do something like that, right? But we have the benefit of hindsight. And it's very interesting that John, the one who writes uh, our gospel text for the night, the, the disciple John he has a very interesting relationship with Peter. Last week, we found out that, according to John, Peter was the one who struck the high priest's servant and cut off his ear. All the other uh, gospel accounts don't mention who did it, but John did, right? And there's also this bit of a, a, a rivalry and also a bit of a brotherly relationship between Peter and John. And John seemingly reveals a lot of things about Peter. But one thing he does not reveal is in this text, unlike Mark and Luke, John says nothing about Peter and how he feels after the rooster crows. He doesn't say anything. That in the other gospel accounts, they'll say that he went away and wept, and wept, he went away and wept, wept and wept, bitterly because he remembered what Christ had told him. But here John is just, just interested in the facts, on history, on truth. He knows that whoever reads this, whoever hears this, will understand what it is to betray your Lord. That our feelings aren't really necessarily, uh, we don't really need to read our feelings into this. But it's interesting because John includes something else in his gospel. He includes something later on in chapter uh, 21 where, where Peter has denied Christ three times. Jesus, after he is resurrected, he does a threefold, uh, a threefold reinstatement of Peter by asking him, Peter, do you love me? Right? So in John's gospel, you have this fall of Peter and this restoration to grace. But it is interesting because when we see Peter and we say, Peter really messed it up. Peter really, really messed up this time, right? It seems like every, every single year we focus on this and we focus on Peter and what needs to be 
focused on as well, which hopefully we do, tonight we will, that we need to focus on Jesus' final word for Peter. That in the end, for Peter, just like for us who trust in Christ, the last word is not guilt. The last word is not condemnation. The last word is not damnation. But the last word through Christ is grace. The last word is comfort and peace and mercy. That we see later on with Peter, what happens to him? Does he stay down? No. In his great sermon at Pentecost, he convicts by the word of God and his preaching thousands of people to convert and believe in Christ. And later on, he writes two of the books in the New Testament. Actually, since we had a baptism tonight, he writes one of the greatest things you could ever read about baptism in his epistle, uh, 1 Peter chapter 3, where he likens baptism to how Noah and his how Noah and his sons and their families, eight souls in all, were saved through a flood, through a washing of water, a cleansing water that, that cleansed the earth of all the sin that was on it. And he likens baptism also to Moses leading God's people through the Red Sea and, there, and then afterwards drowning hard-hearted Pharaoh and all of his men in that Red Sea to show that in baptism we are washed clean of our sin and our guilt, that Satan is, is destroyed, that the old man and our sinful flesh is drowned and dies so that the new man can come forward. If Peter would have stayed in his guilt and his despair, despairing of himself, I don't know if we would have gotten that text. I don't know if we would have gotten that rich understanding of holy baptism. But it's not by Peter's will that he came back. It's not by Peter's doing that he was restored. His comeback didn't depend on how much he loved Jesus. His comeback didn't depend on what he did for Christ. His comeback didn't, begin, didn't depend on him giving his life for Jesus, but rather his comeback, just like ours, from our sinful life previously, our, our comebacks also depend on how much Jesus loves us, how much Jesus does for us, how much he gives in his life for us. That in Peter, we can see ourselves. In Peter, we can see those times where we say, boy." that's a good thing. Being faithful, confessing the faith in boldness and in truth. And in Peter, we can also see ourselves when we fall. When we deny that we are actually a part of the body of Christ, either by word or by deed. And that in Peter, we see God's grace shown to us through Christ. That, in, that Jesus' final word for Peter is not guilt, but grace 
And therefore, for us, it is that same word, grace and peace. And the peace of God, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.